Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Taylor Raglan, Brian Murphy, and Kendrick Johnson. We are down to the final two districts of our uh, of our ongoing series of high school football uh, district preview podcasts. And uh, well, we got the uh, we got the big one on the heavy, the heavy hitters. The one where that's not to say it's like what's more important than the others. That's not true, but it's the one where of the eight teams, we have seven within our markets. We have four reporters assigned among those seven schools. Hence. <laughs> Us busting out the uh, the nine six eight brain trust and trying to squeeze all four of us onto the uh, onto the podcast. It is District nine six A, the district that houses the the four largest high schools in the state um, and just has made headlines every which way and all manner of sport over the years. So um, it, let's I mean yeah so we can go uh, at this district a bunch of different angles and just to give uh, just as uh, some catch up from last year just to kind of set the stage on what uh, where we left off last time in District nine six A, you had uh, Allen top the district. We've all heard of Allen. They're still playing football. They uh, they won a district championship for the 13th consecutive year. You had Plano East and Prosper. Plano East, a, a massive resurgence for the Panthers and Prosper, a team which acclimated to 6A about as well as could have been uh, could have been hoped for. They tied for second place. And then you had McKinney and Plano Senior tying for fourth place. McKinney won the head-to-head over the Wildcats, and they got that last playoff spot. Then you had McKinney Boyd in sixth, Jesuit in seventh, Plano East in eighth. So... Let's see. I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me about this district, guys, is, I mean, we've kind of built up the idea, at least among ourselves, that we're kind of expecting this, this district to be completely different from last season. There was so much turnover mm-hmm. just all across the board. Um, I went back through just this morning and looked over the old district list from last year. Just as far as, like, the just the cream of the crop, the top talent in the district, just how much of that's going to be back. There were 66 kids that were named to the all-district team in 96A. 75% of them graduated. <laughs> so, it is uh, yes, it is going to be a completely a completely new look. You just even go so far as to like the number of teams that are returning their leading passer. One, Plano West. Wow. Teams that are returning their leading receiver. Two, Plano West. Shout out to Cole Carter, McKinney <laughs> Boyd. Shout out to Kareem Coleman. Um, we get a little bit more depth there as far as running backs go. Allen Jesuit, McKinney Boyd, and Plano East all bring back their lead rusher. Um, but yes, nevertheless, it is a district that is going to have many, many new faces. That's a lot of transfers. Yeah, a lot of transfers. Many just, and we don't know what that. Uh, we're just going to try to make sense of what that could mean because there's just there's so much new about this district. And I tell you, you and I were just talking on Monday that uh, just even like even the question of who's the second best team in this district. Mm-hmm. You can go a bunch of different directions with that, and I think that's where uh, that's kind of where I want to start with this because I feel like there are a few teams that have a justified claim to that uh, to that second place spot, assuming that we all think that Allen's going to continue doing Allen things despite its own question marks, and is the on paper favorite to repeat as district champions. So um, we're just going to start up. We're going to call this simply just the case for second place. We're just going to drop a few of the teams that I think are on that radar as far as teams you can make a, a logical argument mm-hmm. for that might be able to work their way into that second-place spot. Um, you know, if you read a lot of the uh, prognostications, it sounds like uh, Prosper is at least everybody's de facto number two, which, mm-hmm. I mean, for a team that, again, is just in its second year as a, as a 6A program, they have their own personnel question marks. Um, the Eagles are certainly getting no shortage of love, though. So, um, yeah, Brian, what have you been able to gather on Prosper and um, kind of make the case for uh, why should people buy into Prosper as being a team that could potentially finish as high as second place this year? Well, when you first look at them, you're like, well, okay, three returning starters on that offense. They're one of those teams losing mm-hmm. their running back, quarterback, and star receivers. Yeah. 
but they just plug them right back in. They have some some heavy hitters. Uh, you know, they don't have Wayne Anderson anymore, and, and Caleb Adams. He's been gone for two years now, but they have a guy they're really high on in JT Lane, uh, 5'11", 190, uh, And Coach Brandon Schmidt said he's they're ready for him to carry the load. Okay. You know, they they love having that you know that horse back there in the backfield to carry you know the ball 15, 20 plus times a game. They're expecting him to be that. Um, and there's some question marks uh, at quarterback. Uh, with Tyler Bailey and Jackson Berry. Jackson Berry played a little bit last year, um, kind of in the uh, kind of like a, a belldozer role. I know from, you know, from Oklahoma. Absolutely. Um, use him in, go, in goal line. Uh, what was his first name? Um, oh, Blake Bell. Blake Bell. Yeah. Blake Bell. Blanked on his uh, first name. But yeah, the belldozer. He was kind of using that role last year. He had six rushing touchdowns. He was using goal line packages. Um, but he's he's on pace to be that starter. But Tyler Bailey is a sophomore who was a starter. On JV last year as a freshman, he did a great job. Uh, both of those guys are getting looks uh, so far in, in fall camp. So they they have a competition there. You know, two really good quarterbacks uh, and a guy that you know Coach Schmidt is really high on at receiver. It's Cameron Harpole. Okay, um, interesting. 6'3", long receiver. Um, something that you know they've they've. Use a lot of slot guys and, and smaller, shifty receivers in years past, like DJ Love uh, comes to comes to mind. But Cameron Harpole is another guy that you know they're expecting big things from. And I haven't even mentioned their big offensive line. Of course, <laughs> one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But first, you have Aaron Perdue, who's three hundred ten pounds, but mm-hmm. you know he doesn't get as much love as he should. You know, with Jake right. Majors. Yeah. You know, they're the four star. Uh, UT, you know, Texas commit four star guy, one of the top guards, you know, in the entire country. So. You know, having those big bodies paving the way for whoever was at quarterback and whoever was at running back, you know, they'd be just fine. What about that schedule, though? Because like, they had a favorable schedule. They got a lot of games on the road this year against the heavy hitters, don't they? They do, but they also have an advantage now with the new stadium. I don't know. You could say that. That's a, that's a advantage. You know, if you had, that, no, I do you not think the McKinney ISD stadium was something that kind of galvanized those schools last year a little bit? Record-wise, McKinney North kind of took it to another level, but the other ones are still really too early. I do, I do know that um, McKinney played a lot better at home than they did on the road last year. Yeah, because I mean we've all been to that Prosper Stadium that they've been using the last four years. <laughs> Sorry, Reynolds yeah. Middle School. <laughs> yeah, emphasis on middle school. A state program was playing at a middle school, uh, and it's not a middle school stadium anymore, man. I checked it out last weekend. You know, a little media tour that they had set up for us, and it's it's phenomenal. You know the the stadium is being built up there in Northern Collin County with Salina and Prosper. Man, they are they are uh, they're fortunate to say the least. <laughs> and so you know that might help them. You know, in the second year, give them a little pep to their step. I, I I don't I don't have their schedule right in front of me right now to see who they're playing at home. But <laughs> yeah. still, it doesn't matter. You know, the teams coming into that stadium. Granted, you know that's the same district with the Allen Stadium and McKinney Stadium. But still, the you know Prosper's you know, right there with them with the. With the stadium wise, one of the things that I kind of like is, yeah, I mean the the departures on offense those can't be overlooked. They uh, it wasn't just Wayne Anderson and Keegan Shoemaker, but no. so much of their passing game centered on Jostein Clark, who had I want to say fourteen of their twenty four receiving touchdowns. And that's who they're kind of expecting Hartpole to be. Yeah. When I when I talked to Schmidt a few weeks ago, especially when we were cranking on our gridiron previews, mm-hmm. he was really high on Hartpole, and I, you know, I was kind of. I, told, I asked him, I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of targeting a player to watch. I don't want to do Jake Majors or, or Jackson Berry, the quarterback. You know, it gets kind of bland. It's easy choice. Or JT Lane. I said, who's a guy, you know, who's a guy that maybe wasn't a big name last year but really got to watch? And he, he really harped on Harper. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, big body. He might take Justin Clark's. You know, spot and his role that he kind of had last year. Plus, you got to factor in just how consistent they've been under head coach Brandon Schmidt. Um, you know, he says he's entering his fourth year as the program's head coach. They've averaged nine wins per season under him. So it's just, I don't know, it just speaks to, like, because we're wondering, like, with all those questions, you still see Prosper, you know, some project them to be the number two team in the district, and you're like, well, this team's going to have, like, a brand new offense. How can that be the case? But something, it might just be, like, maybe a vote of confidence in just their consistency under Coach Schmidt, how they've really seemed to have turned a corner as a program, just the overall talent pool in Prosper relative to a lot of the others. I mean, Prosper was, I mean, they made the playoffs in every single sport last year. Mm-hmm. They were great across the board, so it just might speak to the caliber of athlete that that school has right now. Um, but, yeah, you can make a definite case for Prosper's being a, a potential number two in this district. Um, Kendrick, what about McKinney? You think McKinney's got a shot to sneak up that high? I mean, given the, the turnaround that they showed in the second half of last season under that, Coach Shavers? That, that, that's, where, that's where I have to base off of because they have um, as many questions as they did last year. 
this year, but it's like they have more of a foundation because they know they can win. Last year, you had a whole new program, new coach. Like for the school that been 110 years old, that's the that's the craziest reset I've ever seen of a program yeah. that went to the playoffs the year before. So when like they had been losing for nine, ten years and hadn't been in the playoffs, and they cleaned everything and just graduations and circumstance. This year, it's going to be they have a lot of question marks on offense. Don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Uh, Seth Cox um, got banged up over the summer, so they, he might play. They might split. They have three different running backs. They they may go with a three-headed monster, which is a very key thing because the last four years they have had a running back go over 1,400 yards oh, yeah. or more. So I don't know how they're going to get that. And then um, I saw in another publication, out of all their yards last year, 986 is gone from Kevin Thomas and Courtney Dunn, who went for 1,616 mm-hmm. touchdowns. Oh, yeah. So all that's graduated. So they only got 1% of their rushing. I know you're big on the analytics, Kevin. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Like, between Courtney Dunn and Matt Gaddick, like, Bikini's really emphasized the workhorse back. I mean, Kendrick Dunn was as, as frequently used a running back as anybody in the Metroplex last year. And that was that was kind of their identity. And that's why, as I'm trying to kind of make sense as to what to expect out of McKinney, I have no idea what their offense is going to look like just because they were so reliant on Cordrick Dunn and without him. I mean, I think I, I feel better about what they have on the defensive side of the ball. You know, as Mary Rowe, Mitchell Tyler, you know, one of their standout defensive linemen. I was, when the, when's the last time you think McKinney High School sent a player to the Big 12? He's committed to Baylor, by the way. I mean, that's that's a pretty given. Yeah. Given McKinney High's, uh, you know, history, um, you know, as far as just football recruiting goes, I mean, that's it's no been, small yeah, feat getting a kid to the Big Twelve. And then um, they got Cooper Frazier. The defense is definitely going to be the strength. Coach Shavers is a defensive guy, so I know he'll come up with some schemes. I've seen them like literally been on the sideline and know what I've seen in practice and see them do something completely different. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So I know I'm surprised. I know the t- the, the the opponent's going to be surprised. The, the defense will. Definitely be leaned upon, but the main thing is they're gonna to have to find an identity on offense. Oh, yeah. How are they gonna score points? That's I'm fascinated. This is the wrong district not to be scoring points. You're gonna to have to put up at least 25, 28 to 30 points a game just to compete mm-hmm. in I 6A. And then you look at a team like like Plano. You know, Taylor, when we did our um, you know, the entry for our summer question series, um, you know, just a few weeks ago, and that was one of the questions was, mm-hmm. who do you think is right now the second best team in the district? And I, you know, deferred to you for that for that question, and you decided to go with the Wildcats. So just kind of elaborate on what uh, how you arrived at that conclusion. I think the things that you guys have been talking about the the doubts really kind of led me there because mm-hmm. you know all three of these teams have question marks and all three of these teams are going to have to you know kind of forge ahead without some pieces i mean kyron cumby is you know losing that <laughs> threat out of the balcony is, is, <laughs> is no small feat to overcome for sure but you know i look at a team like prosper um you know i'm through underestimating prosper i guess we you know I, I i mean they're a postseason team in my mind but at the same time you know, that's that's a lot to lose. You know, the mm-hmm. numbers that you've already been through yeah. um, to this point, that's a lot to lose. Same with McKinney. You know, do I think that Marcus Shavers is, um, you know, a great leader for that program and, and has them training the right way? Sure. But, you know, that's another quarter done is, is, again, another piece that it's very difficult to replace stuff like that. And, and it's two programs that I think the doubts are not just on the personnel level, but also in the, I don't want to use the word fluke, because I don't think last year was a fluke for either team. Um, but you have to find a way to carry that forward. Prosper has to continue to adapt to 6A with some new bodies now, you know, with some new faces. McKinney has to prove that, you know, the second half of last season is the McKinney that, that will be present moving forward and not the first half. Um, so you know, what plan? I, I, will, I, will say this. <laughs> I will say this. With Coach Shavers, like last year, nobody knew nothing. It was just like, oh, they have like a lot of fans. Um, we all we need, we all we got. Is this really gonna work? <laughs> now they got proof that it worked. So it's I'm a whole different thing. Once you got some, once you got some receipts, I think that it's, stuff's gonna happen. I think it's those doubts that led me to Plano because you know Cumby's gone, but Tylen Hines is you know haven't seen him run the football. That guy's you know he's the real deal and he's a real threat. I think there's consistency at, at quarterback, which is weird for Plano. You know it's it's not usually the case. You know they have a a guy coming back that's been there has a year ahead of him in Oliver Towns and, and has some time to really kind of grow into this offense and they're they're not just Plano's kind of notorious for okay who's our senior that we're running out there in the center this year it's the first time since 2013 I believe that they've had a junior yeah. begin the year quarterback so you know there's consistency there I liked what I saw from him mm-hmm. um, 
last year, you know, he played a lot in the East game. Um, you know, I think he's got some talent, um, you know, both running and throwing the football. I think, obviously, you know, Tylen Hines speaks for himself, um, a little bit in the shadow of Kyron Cumby, but very similar in their ability to break a game yeah. and, and make a play out of nowhere and, and bust one off. So I think just, you know, kind of being around 6A longer, uh, bringing back some key pieces, um, you know, and, and being right there last year and just missing out. Uh, you know, the, the streak of McKinney High, not McKinney and McKinney Boyd, McKinney High getting Plano. I mean, is that, That's lasting, real. Is that lasting forever? It's been three. It's real. But is this, you know, is this, it, can they make it four uh, with all the questions they have? I don't know. And, nice. and, and if that if that game goes the other way, um, you know, if they can get Prosper, if Prosper isn't, you know, scoring football the way that they're accustomed to, um, you know, I think it comes down to those three teams. But I'm just kind of giving it to, Kind of the blue blood, I guess. You know, maybe not as of late, but the program that's been around um, and the program that has less personnel questions, I feel like heading into next season. Yeah, so to piggyback off that, I mean, the run game is still going to be formidable. You mentioned Tylen Hines, mm-hmm. not just, him, but, but Cody Chris, yeah. who's yep. entering his third year as a varsity starter. Um, you know, they're pretty confident in the skill players mm-hmm. that they have on the outside. You know, they moved Nolan Williams from the secondary over to receiver mm-hmm. to complement uh, Jaden Chambers, who's entering his third year on varsity. Um, defense, they traditionally load well. They did lose a bit, you know, on defense, but under, you know, defensive coordinator Ryan Cox, I can't think of the last year Plano had a below average defense. Right. Always solid on that side of the ball. The biggest thing as far as what could potentially be the fly in the ointment is mm-hmm. um, up front. They're very oh, yeah. young in the Absolutely. offensive line. Oh, they used to have a really good offensive line. They could. They're very confident in what it could be, but right now they um, they lost a lot. And yeah. one of the guys that they were looking to kind of anchor the unit was at center with um, with Jacob Rusk, a player that Plano has invested a lot of time into building up. And they got some bad news over the offseason in which it sounds like that Jacob Rusk's season is in doubt because of a back injury. Ooh. So as a result, in this kind of, you know, hit, Plano's been having to kind of experiment with new center options throughout, you know, the first uh, you know couple weeks of fall practice. Guys like Trace Noble, Dominic Herrera, Wiley. And Smith among the names that Jadon McCullough mentioned that are in contention for that starting center job. So, yeah, I mean, if you see Plano, I mean, that's going to be a very pivotal subplot. We kind of underestimate the importance of snapping the football. But, yeah. uh, that's where it all begins. Yeah. So, but, but tell me this, because y'all, you, you especially, because you grew up in Plano, why have they picked a, a running back to be a bell cow? Like, they don't like, for instance, the reason they've lost to McKinney, other than McKinney's I played them, is I've seen Kyron Comey do a, a spectacular move, get a 40-yard run, and then he don't get the ball for like a quarter and a half. It's like they don't like the hot hand. I mean, they have a lot of talent though in the backfield. Like Cody Chris and Tylen Hines are—they're no joke. <laughs> That's the thing. They have three really good running backs. Three guys that were capable of being number one rushing options. And yeah, I mean, Kyron Cumbie got the greatest workload of the others, but they want to make sure that Tylen Hines and Cody. I mean, you got it. It's a lot of mouths to feed. So that's probably why it was last <laughs> a lot year. Of um, let's see. I mean, yeah, they haven't had a really like a workhorse back though since. I mean, well, no, Brandon Stevens was a workhorse back. I take that back. Yeah, Brandon Stevens was absolutely a workhorse back. So it was just the uh, again the first two years after you know he left and they've you know kind of balanced a little between Cumbie and Christ and last year Hines um, so yeah it'll just be interesting to see how things work out up front for Plano mm-hmm. as far as something they could potentially again kind of monitoring that early in the season going to be a very very pivotal subplot for them I also don't want to leave out because no one's talking about this team as far as being in the mix for like to finish second or whatnot but man I told you this this morning mm-hmm. the more I research this team you could talk me into McKinney Boyd being a very, very improved team I, under, I, under, uh, under. I'm gonna go see them practice today. One of the two things that I think are gonna be very underrated is just a change of mentality with Coach Joe McBride. Yeah. He's a winner everywhere you go. His, his resume speaks for itself. So you got somebody changing culture that's used to winning. But their transfers are like, it's like if you could like customize what you need to do and go pick a player, they gotta play Wyatt. Mm-hmm. They got this kid from Carlsville Heritage. I haven't heard him. I've heard pop things about him named. Um, Jake Fex. They are so you got two nice players in your secondary, and that was a problem last year because they couldn't defend nobody. So that gives you a chance. Your back end is good. They're experienced up front, and Tyler Shaw could go off for a thousand five hundred and fifteen touchdowns. He had seven twenty-seven and um, eleven touchdowns in part-time duty yeah. last I mean, year. You can make a case that Boyd has, on paper at least, potentially the best secondary in the district. Not just with yeah. Clay Wyatt, not just with Jake Fex, who was a first-team All-District selection as a 
junior last year at Colleyville Heritage, but also Jalen Shaw, who was an all-district pick in 96A last year. Um, and then you felt like it's the fact that Tyler Shaw had is was as effective as he was on the ground, considering how McKinney Boyd as a uh, as an offense completed only 37 percent of its passes on the season. With two quarterbacks, yes, with two quarterbacks, <laughs> and had a eight total touchdowns through the air to 11 interceptions. The fact that like they just didn't have outside of Kareem Coleman, the passing game just nope, never really nope, took nope, off nope. last year, um, and that Tyler Shaw was still able to be as effective as he was, averaging almost seven and a half yards per carry. Um, yeah, I mean if they, I don't know who's in the mix to take over quarterback. I'm kind of Carter Winfield. He's a sophomore. Okay. They're high on him, but like you never never know what to expect. This will be his first real varsity mm-hmm. experience. And on, on the this Ohio trip, y'all on the receiver, one of the go tos behind Coleman, then um, leaning on um, as a um, baseball pitcher, uh, Jake. Uh, I mean. Um, Jack Hagan. Jack Hagan. Okay. He's 6'4", four, runs a legit four five, four four, and he got good hands. So that's a weapon. That's athlete. Sure. I know baseball is his bill ticket. If you seen the guy pitch, he's definitely going um, doing big things on the um, baseball diamond. But football, he's looking nice out there. The little, little I've seen, like I said, he got six four, got to come on a four 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 five. You can do something. Now you said legit four five. Were you there with the stopwatch? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these coaches will say, oh, he runs a four four. Man, it's like a four seven. Four, <laughs> Um, and then you just you think of just you mentioned Joe McBride and just the impact of having him come on board and you know thinking of what he did last time he was perusing the sidelines at Capel going 51 and 10 during his tenure with three district championships had Capel routinely state ranked um, and like you know he had spent what four years in the you know in the athletic director's chair to be like it speaks something to just the uh, something about that boy job and that that was the job that lured him out, um, out of the athletic director's chair and back to the sidelines it tells me that he's not just you know getting out and you know resuming coaching if it's just any other job that comes open it's I think that he see you know that he's clearly saw something there sees some promise that he can really build you know something into with Boyd so um, I don't want to discount that factor as well but I don't know the more I the more I learn about this Boyd Team, the more I think that they could be kind of like last year's Plano East, and a team that maybe began the year with a, with not a ton of fanfare, but winds up exceeding yeah, expectations. Got to got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. From while, from from knowing their roster, they have a they're, they they've improved on starters across the board, but I don't think they have the depth. So mm-hmm. health health will be a key for sure. I think health is key for anybody in this district, not mm-hmm. named Allen. Yeah, I was going to say, Speaking of them, so, uh, yeah, one team that, um, again, I think we're all in you know in consensus in thinking that Allen is the favorite to, to repeat as district champion. So we've talked about some of the teams that are in the mix for, uh, you know, the number two or some of the playoff contenders or whatnot. So let's talk about the rest of the district, and let's start at the uh, at the projected tippy top with um, with Allen. Yes, I mean, as is far as... It's just, it always is. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> playoffs or bust, just sure. title or bust. <laughs> Allen is, I mean, if you're just talking, sorry, so kind of picking up the trend that we, um, you know, me and Devin Hassan, you know, uh, adhere to for uh, Monday's podcast. If we're just talking like reasons to be excited for a team for the upcoming season, I mean, Allen fans, like, they've got all the reasons in the world to be, you know, just giddy about an, about an upcoming football season. First off, they've won 87 of their last 89 football games. That stat still just defies common sense. They've been in the state semifinals seven years in a row, and they've won four state titles over that span. Um, speaking more specifically, though, to this team, um, Allen has an absolute highlight reel at quarterback. Guy with Raylan Sharp has as much speed at the position as they've had since Kyler Murray. And yeah. if you stuck around for the second half of any Allen games last year during mop up duty, you were almost guaranteed to see him bust he, at least one he, run of 40 he, yards. He had a 70 yard against McKinney, and the only reason he didn't score because he got tired and gas. And the guy had an angle. I don't think he wanted any contact. So he just veered out at the five yard line, didn't get touched. Okay. <laughs> yeah, guys, fast. And he's got two twin wrecking balls on the outside, and the green twins, Blaine and Bryce and Green, both Division I prospects, to um, you know, take over and, uh, you know, uh, repress. Prize the uh, the Theo Weiss role and whatnot with them being off to college. That's special. <laughs> oh, yeah. Allen's the only team, only program that can replace an OU kid at running back, uh, at receiver, uh, Ole Miss kid at, at quarterback. Oh, they're just fine. D1 talent. Just plug them all in. <laughs> but yeah, you have Seldon Manning back too. Seldon Manning had 1,200 yards and 16 touchdowns last year. So they're talking state then, as usual. Oh yeah, I mean that's well, that's the that's always the goal of Allen. No matter the because that's the mm-hmm. thing. They're not without question marks for sure. Um, I mean they. Bring back only one starter on defense, linebacker Jaden Healy. But the thing is, is that like that's not that's nothing new for defensive coordinator Corey Cannon and the staff, and they traditionally reload much easier than you'd you know than you'd expect for a team that graduates the majority of its starting defense on the regular. Um, the the big thing to watch though is going to be the offensive line, 
and that's an area that has been, you know, I've said in the past, like that is the like that is the heartbeat of the Allen juggernaut. And that is the one area where just about every time out, you could automatically pencil them into having a decided advantage was in the trenches, most notably on offense. I mean, they just had two linemen get drafted into the NFL and Bobby Evans and Greg Little. Um, they graduated the entire now they graduated four of the five starters from last year and then the fifth kid transferred. So oh. it's gonna be a brand new offensive line, completely uncharted waters for Allen. Um, you know, it's a group that obviously given the track record of, you know, their offensive line coach Mike Carter, you you know, you assume that they're going to uh, you know turn into a pretty serviceable unit. But the bar is so high and again that's just been that's been an area that you just haven't had to worry about with Allen for so long. So yeah, I mean that is one thing. And then plus you also can't discount like Raylan Sharp can run the ball terrific. We don't know what he looks like throwing the ball 15, 20 times a game. So there is that. But nevertheless, it's still Allen. It's not going How bad do they want the rematch with Duncanville? Is that talked about? or they I just mean, no, they, Allen is very well trained in how to speak <laughs> with the media. So they're, <laughs> what they say to us with the recorder in their face and what they say to each other are probably two different things. <laughs> but, yes, is again, when you've, won, when you've won 87 of your last 89 games, if you're one of those two teams that handed them a, a defeat, then... Yeah, I'm sure I would love crack at Duncanville in the semis. <laughs> the last time they lost, um, they lost uh, a regular season game, I think. Coach McBride was on the sideline yep. at Capel. It was Capel, so, 2000, so he, he, 2012, he, and then the next week, Kyler Murray was named the starting quarterback, and the rest is his history. So, <laughs> so, so he does know the recipe to beat Allen, which that many people have that on their resume in this in this decade. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's uh, that is at least a look at Allen. They're still going to be really solid as far as what that means, as far as how they. Stay up against the the Duncanvilles and the North Shores teams that have a bit more coming back and that are a bit more fortified right now in their identity, we're not going to know for a few months because, again, Allen is not without its question marks, and we need to see how this all gels first. It looks fine on paper. You give them the benefit of the doubt because they are Allen, but as far as what it means come November and December, that remains to be seen. My whole thing was I don't see how they're going to beat they can be Duncanville. I can see they can how they can be Duncanville and North Shore back to back or any team. I don't see how that's going to happen. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> they'll get a chance to answer that question if they can. Again, I can, can see them being one, but not both, not back to back weeks. That's like, hey, go be the top two teams in the country, and then you'll get you'll, you too can be a state champion. Yeah. Like, who does that? Would anybody be shocked if Allen was going to say that's if, the thing? If, if there's anybody, a team to do that, then this, this year, yeah, this yeah. this particular team with the the question mark. If they had more experience or more season like they were last year, not at all. But this year, with all the question marks, but you also have to factor in that if they play one of those teams, it's going to be in mid December. You're going to have all of these question marks ironed out well and well beforehand, so you can't discount that. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Um, all right, let's talk about somebody else. Um, Plano ISD, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Where do we wanna, we've already talked a little bit about Plano. Um, where do you want to go, man? East or West? We can start uh, respectfully at the bottom. <laughs> with, uh, Does West win more than one game? I think so. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, you, you kind of threw out the theme of, of things to be excited about. Um, just in general, there's just a cause for general excitement, just newness and optimism and hope. Not not sure that it'll pan out, but for, for those on the west side, there's finally kind of, you know, they felt directionless. Yeah, it's a new era. They felt directionless. And, and if there's one thing you can definitively say about, you know, head coach Tyler Sokup now, um, without having seen him play a game, is that he has a direction. You know, he has a culture. He has an identity. He has a place that he wants the Wolves to go. Will they get there? I don't know. I mean, it, it goes back to your point of you mentioned that, you know, they're the only team to bring back their leading passer <laughs> and their, their leading receiver. But those two names may not even be their leading passer or receiver this fall yeah. because, um, uh, you know, Danny Davis was, was the, the most of the time, I guess, to call it starter uh, last season. He may not get the nod under center. We're not sure yet. There is really four names kind of vying for, for that role. Stan, Danny Davis and Will Cannon. I mean, publicly. I'm sure that, that Coach Sokup's known uh, for a little bit which direction he's probably leaning. But um, Danny Davis and Will Cannon got the nod last year. But you know, Andrew Pico, Wyatt Johnson, there's there's other names, you know, veteran guys, maybe not necessarily under center at the varsity level, but guys that they're excited about as far as just being good, solid football players that, that might be able to, to step into that role. 
Um, I'm sure we'll know soon. You know, they have a scrimmage, you know, this week like everybody else. And then obviously he's – Sokup's kind of intimated that he's the kind of guy that wants to name somebody and, and move on and, and, you know, utilize all of them but really have a guy. So um, – and then out wide, you know, Cole Carter is certainly going to be a threat again. But, you know, they bring back Tavarius Garland, um, you know, huge body, a lot of talent, a lot of ability to go up and get the football. Um, really good summer by all accounts. So – not a huge season last year, but you know, with a renewed commitment, I think to the passing game that Soka wants to bring, he wants to throw the football a lot more um, than they have in the past. Uh, Garland and, and just his pure kind of raw ability uh, could factor in a lot and, and could be um, a real threat outside. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say. The expectation should be for West. I mean, they could go zero and ten again just as easily as they could go three and seven or something crazy. I mean, it, it's it. There's such a wide range. Um, of, of potential outcomes, but you know that being said, I think there is talent there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're the second largest <laughs> school in the in the state. You That's have you have somewhere to draw from. So if you can get them all pulling in the same direction, um, and and kind of you know get a new look and a new identity and on both sides of the ball, and and I don't know. You never know. I, th- I think there's talent, for sure. That's the thing. Like, when you factor in how large the student mm-hmm. body they have to draw from, I refuse to believe that you can't yeah. find some good football players within that school. It makes yeah. no sense why you couldn't. Well, so it's, it's just the question of, like, so how many, like, I've often, like, I call back to my own experience going through the Plano ISD athletics tree. I played basketball, mm-hmm. and by the time I got to my senior year, um, I can guarantee you that the 15 players on the Plano East basketball roster were not the 15 best basketball players at that school. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of kids just either dropped up because they just weren't you know they just kind of lost a passion for the game didn't get along with the coach couldn't make it academically I mean it was you know the because that's the thing like I made it all the way to my senior year I was a bench warmer essentially from 9th through 12th grade that tells you all you need to know like a lot of the guys who were in front of me that they just kind of got picked off one by one for reasons for a myriad of reasons so I just I wonder how like if that was I refuse to believe that was truly the absolute best product that Plano West could yeah. put out last year given the kind of resources well, that they have I think that the talent is there, but you know the other piece is the motivation. Yeah, even for, even from the ones on the team. What, what about getting people to come out though? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, getting the buy-in exactly. It's a numbers thing. Exactly. <laughs> like even you know it's the buy-in from the beginning, but even the guys on the team, like you know Danny Davis has proven that he's a, a capable athlete. Yeah. You know he plays multiple sports. I think Will Can's a capable athlete. Greg Drawn, uh, who dealt with some injury last year as as a sophomore, I think he's a very capable. athlete. They have guys, yeah. but even the ones that are there. It's hard to get yourself up every day and and go get the crap knocked out of you and and lose your 24th, 25th, 26th straight game and and still be motivated to bring whatever your 100% is. Do, Do some of the kids, did they do that last year? I'm sure. But, you know, I don't think anybody faults them for saying, you know, holy crap. You know, we're still just, there's just no insight. There's no way forward. So... You know, maybe a, a regime change and, and some new philosophies and, and a new commitment to, I don't want to say a more modern offense, that's not true necessarily, but an offense that wants to throw the football around a little bit and, and fly around and, and make some, you know, flashy stuff happen and, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, there's a lot to be said about just kind of wiping the slate clean and, and moving forward and, and breaking from what feels like, I'm sure for them, kind of an inescapable rut. Because nobody likes to be associated with. I mean, these guys are athletes; they're competitors by nature. Nobody likes to be associated yeah. with a, lo- a loss. Period. Let alone twenty six, two and a half years worth of them. I mean, so, I mean, yeah. If they just get more, if it's a question of whether or not you believe, like last year was just more of a culture thing, and mm-hmm. just because of the, the the losing compounded with more losing, that it just became a case where the well was too poisoned to even right. go back, and that just simply getting a new voice in the room, and like you said earlier, right. a new sense but, of direction might be enough to kind of get get them back to where. They are usually at. Who can it be in this district, though? On, on, pa- on paper, then it's like, oh, you're not gonna like district. this. You're not gonna like this. Um, Earmuffs, Kendrick. Yeah, um, <laughs> man, I don't, I don't think I want to. I want to preface this by saying I don't think they'll beat McKinney. I don't. But they you look at last year. That's a five-point loss. That is the only time last year they were even competitive. So. I mean, who but knows? McKinney it's three turnovers. Though. The same. The same way that. Yeah. that the same <laughs> way that McKinney is a yeah. bad matchup. 
for Plano, some for whatever yeah. reason, sometimes things just don't make sense. I mean, for whatever reason, maybe <laughs> they just. How does it make sense that McKinney beat Plano when they beat them three years in a row? If something happens once, I'm saying that happens. I'm saying that maybe maybe there's something fundamental going on between, <laughs> at, at those, two, between those two programs that McKinney. You're about to get all of McKinney coming. Up. Hey man, I I, I practiced it. <laughs> the thing is, okay, no, Kendrick, because I've all right. If you told, if I told 2012 Kendrick that at one point in time McKinney was going to beat Plano three years. In a row back when yeah, McKinney was going to run off the field by five touchdowns every yeah. game in this district, you'd get where we're coming yeah. from. Trust me. Like, I, I do not think. Just as McKinney got I, I don't see McKinney lose to Plano. That's think, the thing. I've never seen it. I do not think that McKinney yeah. loses to Plano West. I mean, I'll put that yeah. out there. I don't think so. But, you know, you go through the schedule, you're looking for potential wins. Um, I believe in what Mesquite's doing, but that's the same kind of deal. It's a program on the on the up and up. Um, and yeah. and the non district. I'm looking. Like, I thought be no, whole schedule. Whole schedule. But you know, I, I think there's either. there's some yeah. programs on that schedule that on paper Plano West should lose to. I mean, on paper Plano West should probably go 0 and 10 again. That's just the the reality. <laughs> but well, it's the same schedule as last year yeah, that they went 0 and 10. That's why. Yeah. The reality could yeah. also be that that some of these teams that are on the up and up and trending upward could either slip up. There could be some Take some, lightly. some mirage. Yeah, they, that Plano West is the same Plano West they've been for the last 26 games. Maybe they're not. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they they played McKinney tight. I think McKinney was the last team they beat <laughs> before. Yeah, How before they before they own 26. Yeah, when, when Gatting, they went juniors. So I mean, I, like I said, I don't think it could happen. But it's that kind of program that if Plano West is going to sneak up on somebody, I think it'll be you know that kind of game. And who knows? We'll see. Should be fascinating. <laughs> man, that just the 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 sigh, whether it's a, a collective sigh of relief or just the general emotion around that program, when yeah. if and when they get that first win under Coach Sukup, it's going to be uh, it's going to be something. It's coming. It's it's coming. It may not be in 2019, <laughs> but it's it's within the next. I I truly believe two to three years he'll have them. Oh, that should be competitive. The win coming. You talking about the turn the program? The game against Plano East is going to go because Plano East lost. Because, yeah, the rivalry, the rivalry games they throw out the exactly. out the window. Yeah, like, I mean it, the same way that you know I thought Plano East would roll Plano last year and they didn't. I mean it, it's possible, but I guess to transition Plano East. There you go. Um, way to set them up, Brian. Welcome. I think the <laughs> I think you know you talk a lot about Sukup having to come in and, and change the culture. Uh, Plano East hasn't established culture of winning from last year and, and of being competitive and, and last year that you know despite losing literally their entire offense outside of Trey Jones Scott you know that's that's something that you can you can speak for that's something that you can kind of hold on to as far as you know we were an eight win last or eight win team last year for a reason you know just because you know there's turnover you know they're confident that you know it's something we don't get into a lot but I think their JV was nine and one um, you know, they were a talented JV program. They, they obviously have talent throughout the program. There's obviously buy-in uh, under uh, Joey McCullough up and down the program. So, um, you know, you couple that kind of expectation that's being built with Trey Jones Scott's coming back. I mean, outside of E.J. Smith, I think those are 1A and 1B of, of the best running backs in the district easily. Uh, and I think it drops off pretty tremendously, um, you know, after them, with the exception of maybe Manning and, and some of the other ones. But I think easily they're the two best uh, rushers in the district. He is really special, you know, and really athletic. Um, didn't get a lot of opportunity because you had Brandon Mallory and, and five receivers that were just unreal. Uh, last year, and, and uh, you know that was kind of what the offense was predicated on. But you know this year, it's going to be a different team. But different, I don't think means unsuccessful. I think that they're going to transition to a team that's more about clock management. Mm -hmm. That's about ball control. They're going to hand the ball to Trey Jones Scott a lot. They're going to ask him to carry a really heavy load, 25 carries probably um, on an average night. And then they're going to lean on their defense, which I think is going to be just fine. You know, they bring back Kayvon Hamilton uh, up front, unquestioned leader of not just the defense, but I think the entire team. Um, you know, he's taken visits to Navy and, and some other programs that, you know, he's the real deal up front. And, and they have talent around him. Um, you know, I think they've, they've kind of replenished the covered well. I think defense is something they want to recommit to because they started well last year and, and had a really good defensive unit got blown out by Allen and, and things kind of trailed off from there which can happen but you know I, I think on the whole um, they're going to have questions at quarterback uh, uh, big questions at quarterback either Ryan Faust 
who was the backup last year and I saw next to no action because Brandon Mallory was you know so prolific and they weren't really in that many blowouts where they had to <laughs> you know have a guy come in for a second half um, or a transfer uh, and Dylan Hayden from Wyoming uh, who is younger and, and raw it sounds like kind of the feeling with him but if he could pick up the system he could be good but I think you know we were talking about it earlier Matt if they can find a quarterback capable of managing a football game uh, of managing an offense that's more predicated on play action uh, running the football controlling the tempo um, you know, really bleeding out drives. Uh, you know, if they can get a guy that can manage that sort of offense and then lean on their defense, you know, we were also talking about kind of the McKinney. Yeah, the very McKinney much like plan McKinney last year. From a year ago, I mean, it, it's it can be very successful, especially with an athlete like Trey Jones Scott um, in a defense that I think is going to be fine. So, you know, I don't I don't see the – I think they're right in that bubble um, as far as a postseason team. I don't think they're among kind of the upper tier of – you know the first through third seeds. Uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows what could happen? This district, top to bottom, outside of Weston Allen, that whole middle, <laughs> that whole middle area is just really up in the air. But you know, I don't know if they're a postseason team, but I don't think they're going to be um, any any off night or, or any sort of a slouch either. I mean, Joey McCullough, I think, is going to have them ready to go. So we'll see. Before we uh, get to talking about some of kind of the uh, the marquee games to watch in this district, um, any commentary on Jesuit? You know, I know we don't cover them, but they're obviously the other team in this district. I think, they, I think they're overrated. Because you got you got EJ Smith. I think they're projected to finish like sixth in the district, though. Yeah, and they yeah. finished seventh last year. Yeah. <laughs> so. they got EJ Smith and a bunch of guys. So for us, that's the, and that's the big question for Jesuit this season: is how far can EJ Smith take him? He's arguably the best overall player in this district in terms of just yeah. general impact. But that's the thing: like they lost their quarterback, not to uh, graduation, but to a transfer. Kevin Schumann is now at Capel, mm-hmm. the leading receiver. Travis Whistler graduated. Now, granted, EJ Smith is a very, very prominent in the receiving role as well. I mean, it figures like he's probably going to be in for a workload very similar to what Trey Jones Scott has at Easton. They do have some talent back on defense. You know, Tommy Roy is a pretty feared linebacker in that district, according to uh, many of the coaches that I talked with uh, with last season. And um, you've got a guy in the secondary, Jack Barton, who's also an all-district kid. So, I mean, they do have at least a healthy base to work from. Plus, uh, Branson Hickman, their stud, uh, their stud offensive lineman. I want to mm-hmm. say he's the coach's son. Um, you know, there's there's at least a nice base to work from. They have 12 returning starters. You know, it's the second most in the district. Um, but that's the thing. Like, we Talk, we spent so much time talking about who we think is the second best team in the district. At this time last year, it was assumed that Jesuit yeah. was the second yeah. best team in the a district. Slam dunk. And they wound up winning, I mean, you want to say, like, what, like two games last yeah. year or something? They beat Final West and somebody in non district. Yeah, it was um, yeah, just a, a tough year for uh, for the Rangers and whatnot. So that's the thing, though. I mean, with EJ Smith, you're going to have a fighting chance every time out. It's just how can you defer teams from stacking the box and trying to take him out, like a team like like an Allen did last year or whatnot. So yeah, it just should be interesting to see. I mean, that's EJ Smith is must see, you know, TV as any time that he's playing. So that should be uh, more than enough incentive to get out and watch a Jesuit game this season. But yeah, I wanted to at least just get some some thoughts on them since obviously they're they figured a factor into this equation in some you know way, shape, or fashion. Um, so let's talk some of the marquee games in this district. Um, we can each give one. What is um, Kendrick? What is your? What is the must-see game in District Nine Six A from your vantage point? Uh, Plano McKinney again. Who 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 has won that game? Is um had they had well have the inside track to a playoff spot mm-hmm. because um uh it's always the underlining McKinney versus Plano. I know um, McKinney swept them two years ago, and they were a bad second half away from sweeping them last year. Mm-hmm. What happened? They got in the playoffs. They beat they five and one against Plano SD. And if Boyd would have went sneak in and beat a Plano in a West or any combination, they throw their hat in the ring. Mm-hmm. So the Plano, the uh, I know this we talking about a game, but Plano SD versus McKinney, those matchups will be very key mm-hmm. as to who get two through four. Because whoever wins two out of the three. Will be in the playoffs. I put money on that. I've been I've been in attendance for all three of the uh, of the McKinney wins over Plano Senior these past uh, these past three years. And I mean the stakes for last year's game. I mean you would have thought there, two of them. if there was ever an opportunity for them to snap it last year. I mean you would have thought that mm-hmm. with McKinney being zero and five, you know, and Plano having that's what turned things around. Oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and it just might be a case where like they just might have their number again. There's just some things in the district that you just can't really put a put an intangible quality to, but. Um, just something about that matchup has been it just gives Plano the it just gives Plano fits their entire offense just goes just it 
tanks against McKinney. The first two years, I know when um, the uh, Matt Gaddick and Quinn Corbach crew, they got in shootouts with them, and they couldn't adjust the offense. You know, Plano was not really known for they came for out and hit him quick. Yeah. They kind of hit him with big plays right out of yeah. the shoot, got out to a quick lead, and that kind of put because Plano's a team that took, that took out Kyron coming because they had to throw out. Plano's a team that kind of needs to be playing in front, exactly. given the emphasis on the run and whatnot, and yeah, and they just had a really tough time. I didn't go to last year. I went to two other three. I went to the first two. I didn't go to last year's. Um, so, yeah, that was actually my pick, too, because I do agree that I think the winner of that game could very well be who gets the, um, you know, one of those. One team's, the winner gets the last playoff spot, the other is left out. I could very well see a scenario like that. That's what last year. Yep. Uh, Brian, where'd you land on this? I was going to kind of piggyback off y'all. Uh, Prosper plays Plano. Final game of the year, November 8th. Mm-hmm. Where's that? At Children's Health Stadium in Prosper. You know, that game. Do you have to say just Children's Health Stadium <laughs> or do you have to say Children's Health Stadium at Prosper ISD? I just say Children's Health Stadium. Are you allowed to do that? Is that what it's actually called? I don't, I don't know. I might get some phone calls. Also, this is <laughs> some angry emails. Thanks, <laughs> Matt. You were on the tour. Wow, they give you a call. <laughs> what did they tell you on the tour? It's way too long to say. It's like it really is. It's like the, the Ford Center at the Star. I always say the Star. But uh, you get what I'm saying. So that, <laughs> that final game, you know. That could be deciding the playoff spot. That could be deciding the number two seed in the district. Mm-hmm. It could be deciding a lot of things. You know, who knows that those two teams could be six and seven when they play that final game. But just that the fact that it's that final game of of the season makes it even more interesting. And it's at the Prosperous New Stadium, so that's that's definitely my game to watch for sure. Taylor, how about you? Man, you go in so many different directions. How about how about McKinney and and McKinney Boyd? You know, I think that haven't even mentioned the crosstown showdown. I think more. I think more than even McKinney versus Plano. I have both those teams in the playoffs. You know, and, and kind of just my initial headspace of of who's going to make the postseason. I think underneath Allen, Prosper, McKinney, and Plano are probably the ones that slot in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if McKinney's sitting in that fourth seed, or or you know, it ends up that way. You know, if if Boyd's going to find a path to the postseason, you know, what better way? You know, what better way to to, to beat McKinney? And, and sneak in there and, and especially get it. Especially the way they, last they, year went. They, they owe them because last year um, McKinney did that to them. Hadn't won in nine years. Yep. Beat them and caused the whole program change. But ain't none of my business stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what is my business is that these teams um, the rivalry is real but you legitimately throw out the record. I never know what I'm going to see. Yeah. I've seen the, the first year I covered this I thought it was going to be the best game. It was the worst game I've seen out of it. Mm-hmm. And the last two have been like bomb burners, including the one that went to last play two yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. So you never know what yeah. you go see. In that vein, I, I guess maybe the one B quickly would be East and West. I mean, I'm excited for that game just to see. Um, you know, like I said, I don't think that West is going to beat East or anything, but it's a good mm-hmm. barometer for how competitive are they going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't get up for for Plano East and be competitive and at least you know have a good showing, then you're not there yet. You know what I mean? Whether or not they win that game or not. If West, you know, has energy and gets up and makes it a game and and you know is 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 in it the whole time, then that's a pretty good, I would say, measuring stick for okay, the program's at least working on getting back on the rails a little bit. Because that was the game that you know we mentioned, you know, West coming within a uh, coming within striking distance of taking down McKinney last season. Mm-hmm. The year before, it was against Plano East that they mm-hmm. almost snapped the uh, snapped the slump, and I want to say it was like a forty-four to forty-one loss or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. It was an absolute shootout, and yeah, they. Came it came right down to the last series to determine the winner of that one. So, yeah, certainly no love loss between East and uh, East and West for sure. Um, all right, so let's round this out with um, the way we have been for all these podcasts, and let's give our preliminary playoff predictions. As far as which four teams from this district do we foresee making the playoffs, obviously these these picks can evolve over time once we actually see these teams play games. Yeah, over time is in within two weeks, most yeah, likely. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so what we say right now, you know, versus what we say when we put out our, our official district predictions the, the week before district play starts could be completely different, but right now, where are we sitting as far as who we think are the four playoff teams? I mean, I already kind of touched on mine, so, you know, just to, to restate, I guess, I think Prosper, like I said, I'm done underestimating Prosper. You know, until further notice, they're a postseason team and, and pretty much uh, any given sport. Um, I think McKinney, the the rebrand and the rebuild and, and kind of the upward trend is enough to get them in there. I don't know if they're the second best team in the district. I think they're a postseason team. Um, and then, I'm, I don't know, I feel like I'm higher on Plano than, than some people are. Um, but I, I like what, what Plano might have going on this year. So, you know, underneath, obviously, Allen. I mean, I think it goes without saying that all four of us have Allen. <laughs> but, yeah, Prosper, uh, McKinney High, and, and Plano Senior, for sure, I think are, are my three. Brian, how about you? Allen, Prosper, Plano, 
kind of leaning towards Boyd. I, I, you know, based off what you said and what I've heard, and you know, that all these transfers coming in, they, I don't know, they could, they could be a sneaky, mm-hmm. a sneaky four seed. And I'm not, I'm not super high on McKinney like you know, a lot of people are. So I'm not the McKinney guy, so don't put it on me. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I could see Boyd being that surprise four team, and then you know, fighting somewhere with McKinney. But I just don't see McKinney making the playoffs again. Kendrick, how about you? Allen, McKinney, Prosper. I'm leaning towards Plano, but Boyd can sneak in there. If Boy if Boy beats two of the the Plano schools, write my words, they will be in the playoffs. They got to be two of the three Plano schools. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, Allen one. I'm not going to give him. An, I'm not going to put the others in order because I haven't decided <laughs> that far yet. But I do think I do think Prosper is going to be in the mix too. I I've talked myself into Boyd being a playoff team. I really have. You talk, over McKinney. Hmm? Over McKinney. Yes. Yeah. I mean, let's not act like it's crazy. McKinney no, just beat them for the first time in the last year. Yeah. That's the thing. I didn't say that. Isn't that it's the same thing? Getting all. a you know getting a new head coach in there, and plus with all the talent that they have, you know, coming into the program, that it, they're you know, definitely a more talented roster this year. Boyd, it could just be McKinney Boyd like we've come to know them, you know, over the years. But um, I don't know. I, I again, that could very well come back to bite me in the butt since you know it's a team that you know would require a pretty significant turnaround. But I don't know. I'm I'm high on McKinney Boyd right now. We'll see what they look like in non-district and if that holds. Um, you're heading into district play, but right now, yeah. So right now, let me pencil in Boyd, and then yeah, I guess either the winner of that Plano McKinney game is Plano really going to lose to him four years in a row. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, common sense says they will. I mean, it's, McKinney just has their number right now. But um, I don't know. I just like, but then again, like, I don't know. Is Plano ISD getting a shot out of the playoffs? Like, even that seems how, weird to how say. How crazy it almost happened last year. If Plano ISD was not in the playoffs and both McKinney schools made the playoffs, how wild would that be? It's due to happen, though. It, it's, it's due to happen. Crazy. Yeah. It almost happened uh, not last year, but the year before. Yeah. That came down to that. It came down to that Plano. Points. It came down to that Plano Plano East game, and there was a moment there. If East had beat Plano in the last week, then PISD would have been shut out of the playoffs. And there was a moment there in the second half where East Rat made some massive comeback, took the lead on Plano, and like, oh my goodness, it might happen. But and then also too, had Boyd beat Plano, I mean, beat McKinney by more than um, four points. It would, I think, it was eight. Mm. It would have happened. Boyd had to beat. Remember the whole point differential? Mm-hmm. They had to beat. They only beat him by four. They had to beat him by eight. Yeah, so. So we'll uh, we'll see. All right. So I I, I mean I I had to kind of hedge my bet there. So I'm all right. I'll pick Plano for that last spot right now. We'll see. They could very yeah. We could see these things could look completely different in a few weeks. So um. So yeah. That is at least our uh, our all too extensive preview of District Nine Six A. It's to be expected. Like I said, we cover seven of the eight schools in this district. Um. So yeah. That is a look at least where we're kind of anticipating the district landscape to be at. We've got one more district, and then it is uh, is officially on to week one. Um, we will close things out on Monday with a preview of District Six Six A. Talking some Louisville ISD and some capel. In the meantime, folks, thank you for checking out this episode. You enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.